We are in the holiday season. We would say the season of neuroeconomics. <laughs> I want to make sure that you are good shoppers because you only have so many processing resources in your brain. And believe me, the marketing people know that if they can take up those resources with fancy displays, with music playing, and with people giving you samples, that the less resources you have available, the more, the higher the chance that you are going to walk out of that store with something that's not on your list. <laughs> the more impulsive you become. So just watch the displays come out and be mindful of how that works. Well, I want to start with the fruit of the Spirit, which many of us are familiar with. Galatians 5.22 gives us the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I want to begin this morning by talking a little bit about self-control. Your problem may be shopping, it may be uh, something with food, it may be things on the internet that you don't want to be looking at, but it, you seem compelled to do these things. It may also, uh, self-control may affect your temper, saying things that you wish you wouldn't have said. Well, they did a study, and they told their subjects they were doing a taste test, but they brought them into a room and they had an oven where they had just baked chocolate chip cookies. They set a tray of cookies in front of them, and next to that tray, they also had a bowl of radishes. <laughs> and they told half of the group, unfortunately, you are not in the cookie group. You were randomized to the radishes. Have as many of them as you'd like, and let us know what you think about the taste. Of course, they were not interested in taste testing, as many of these studies, they were interested in testing their self-control. And they watched through a one-way mirror as they would smell the cookies and they would, you know, put them up to their mouth, but nobody ate one. They took them out of the room and they gave them another test of self-control, uh, some puzzles to do that, that required concentration. And before they did the puzzles, they asked them, do you feel any different? Do you feel, uh, is your mood changed? Is there anything that you've noticed that's changed about you? And they all said no. But on the puzzles, they, the people that didn't eat the cookies only performed half as well as those that did. They had a control group that didn't eat the cookies and didn't even go in the room that performed as well as the people did that ate the cookies. So it wasn't the cookies. But they didn't notice that their self-control had become depleted. They did not persist. They only persisted half as long on these puzzles, and they didn't ask for, they only asked for half as many tries. They just were depleted, but they didn't know it. They did another study where they brought them out of the room with the cookies, and they said, we have a business in town that's running a new dating service. We wonder if you would check out the service and just rate it, see how it, how it works. Now, this group was a group that were in uh, exclusive relationships, 
Exclusive, I remind you, means one other person that they are beholden to. And as they got on the internet for 10 minutes with this person, they had a picture of uh, someone that they thought that they were talking to, who pretended to respond to their interests. Those that were sitting for five minutes looking at those cookies but couldn't eat them, 79% of them gave their phone number to this stranger. 75% actually made a date with this person. So the moral of this story <laughs> is not eat the cookie. <laughs> It is, to, <laughs> it is to, know, to know that your self-control is being depleted because it is a depletable resource. It is a fruit of the Spirit, but many of us think that we can... Um, it just sort of happens, but this is something that is depletable. I will say, however, if you are in danger of giving your phone number to a stranger, go ahead and eat the cookie. <laughs> I, I give you permission. Some things that we can do to build up our self-control. Number one, exercise. Exercise is excellent for your brain. Your brain gets 20% of the blood flow. By increasing blood flow to your brain, you help your brain with self-control. Now, what do I define as exercise? If you are not sitting, lying down, or walking to the refrigerator, that's exercise. <laughs> I'm well aware only 11% of people in this country exercise, and so if you can do five minutes of something, if you can go for a walk, anything that sort of helps you move around a bit is exercise. If it's gardening, if it's something else that you like to do, exercise, very, very good for your brain. Food, the food that you eat also affects your self-control. Processed foods and junk food are not good for people who are trying to exert self-control. Being outdoors is good for your self-control. However, smog is not good for self-control. Air pollution does decrease self-control. You know, what is it costing you to maintain your self-control, and are you aware? Self-control is weakest when you're under stress. Because under stress, the stress hormones, the chemicals, the adrenaline, the cortisol, they actually act to take the blood flow away from the part of the brain that you need to have self-control. The prefrontal cortex, the frontal lobes, are decreased in function when you are under stress because you're really in a fight or flight. You just want something to happen and you generally become very impulsive. That part of the brain not only gives you options, other options besides just what you're thinking as far as what's right in front of you, but that part of the brain also predicts the consequences of your actions. And so if you are making decisions under stress, there's a very good chance that you can't even remember the bad things that happened last time you did that. You don't have access to those memories. It's, you think, well, I can't believe I did that again will believe it because you didn't even have access to the memories of, le of the bad things that happened the last time you did it. So stress. Self-control is also hindered by shame. Many of us feel that 
if we didn't have this constant voice in our minds telling us how bad we were, what a loser we were, how, uh, how shameful we should feel about what we've just done or eaten or watched, that we have to have this constant criticism raining down on us or our life is going to go off the rails, that we would have no control whatsoever. That shame and harsh, critical voices are actually healthy for us. And the research is showing that's absolutely untrue. In fact, the opposite is true. They took a group of people and they set them in a, a room and they set a piece of chocolate cake in front of them. It was from the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> with a fork and a napkin and a glass of water. And they said, I wonder what would happen if we said to them, tell yourself how proud you would be if you didn't eat the cake. And when the people said to themselves, boy, I would actually be really proud of myself if I didn't eat that. It's not on my diet. 40% of them were able to resist. And when they said, now we want you to think about, this is another group, we want you to think about how ashamed you would feel, how angry at yourself you'd be if you ate the cake. Only 10% could resist. 90% ate the cake. They took bigger bites and they ate more of the cake than anybody else. <laughs> now, why would shame not work? I mean, that, you know, you'd think that critical voice, this is what we're saying, right? I need that voice to tell me, to keep me out of trouble. And maybe we needed it as, as little children. But the thing about shame is that when you shame yourself, you feel bad. And when you feel bad, you want to feel good. Want to feel good, you eat the chocolate cake. Or you watch whatever it is. You do whatever your brain has habitually done to make yourself feel better in the short run. And essentially, you forget about your long-range goals. But how do we know when we're depleted? How can we tell? Because we hear from, from parents often, especially if there are two or three kids, you know, I know I'm going to lose it at some point today, I just don't know when. Right? This is what I'm talking about. We, we have this feeling, we know our self-control is being depleted, but it's, you don't necessarily feel it coming on. They're very subtle clues. You may catch yourself, as I do now that I'm aware of it, I start catching myself thinking, you know, I don't know why that last remark irritated me so much. It really shouldn't have. That's my first clue that my self-control is on its way down, or my, uh, my ability to be patient with someone is becoming depleted. Whenever you're focusing on something, which is essentially what we do at work, right? We're focusing. You are depleting your self-control because it requires self-control, willpower to focus, and it is a depletable resource. Knowing that your self-control is becoming depleted. But instead of using shame and self-criticism, there is something that improves self-control. It's called self-compassion. And self-compassion, people that are more self-compassionate actually are happier. They are not afraid to try new things. They're actually kinder to others. If you're more compassionate with yourself, you actually have more compassion for others. They don't take people's criticism negatively. They're always thinking, oh, I could improve. Instead of hearing that voice, well, they're criticizing me because I'm no good. People that are self-compassionate do better. 
And so I want to look up at this verse again, and I've begun to reinterpret the, this verse as having compassion, first of all, for yourself. That this fruit of the Spirit is what the Spirit is going to do in you, first of all, toward yourself, and then as it happens toward yourself, you will be able to pass that along to others. But most of us, when we read that, we think only of others. I have got to get these things, and I've got to get it quickly so that I can pass them out to others. But the love, love for yourself, joy. Do you have joy just being with yourself? Can you actually be by yourself without the radio on, without the television, without even your cell phone? You know, taking a Sabbath is something that I pick a day and sometimes I can't even do 24 hours, but I'll, a, a period of time where I can be alone with no electronics. And that's difficult every week. But I need that. I need to take care of myself first. It's like when the airplane cabin pressure, you're losing cabin pressure, they say, put the mask on yourself first and then you can help someone else. That you know, nobody wants to be around people who are pretending to love them, but they're really needy. They just want a reflection back. They want your response toward them. See, that's not real love. That's sort of need love. We want to be giving magnanimous love to people. So it's given away freely. But that requires us to take good care of ourselves. Let's look at a few verses before this, the reason I came up with this idea to combine the research with what God is saying is that a few verses ahead of the one we just read, Galatians 5.14, it says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And immediately, most of our minds go to loving our neighbor. We've got to get to loving our neighbor. But what about the second part of that, as yourself? that really the research is showing that you can really only love your neighbor as well as you're loving yourself. Oh, but we're, we're cautious about that because we don't, we're afraid of indulgence. We're afraid that if we start loving ourselves or being kind to ourselves or we're going to run around and eat ice cream all day or do things that, that watch TV all day. Do th well, you know what? That's actually not being kind to yourself. That may be indulging yourself, but that is not loving yourself and you know it and so do I but to actually love yourself, to take the time for yourself that you need, to stop perhaps always having to please others so that you can take care of yourself, so that you can grow into the person that you want to be. 